everyone, Patrick here. So Jillian and I just finished our eight-episode coverage of Netflix's The Disappearance of Madeline McCann on our Patreon feed. And we thought we would share episode one with you here in the regular feed for free. We wanted to give you a little taste of what the series was all about. It's about this little British girl, three years old, who goes missing in Portugal while her family is there on vacation. It's tragic, it's heartbreaking, it's mysterious. There are tons of theories. There are tons of people they think did it. There are tons of people they think didn't do it. Lots of questions, you guys. It's the kind of case that makes you kind of go down 800,000 Reddit rabbit holes late into the night. Um, We loved covering it. We want to share it with you. If you want to hear the rest of the series and our episode-by-episode coverage of Making a Murderer, Serial, The Jinx, The Staircase, Lorena, and all the rest of it, just head on over to patreon.com slash true crime obsessed or tap on the patreon link on our website you get like 90 full bonus episodes to binge right this second okay without any further ado here's episode one of the disappearance of madeline mccann Girl. Hey girl. The disappearance of Madeline McCann. This is a big deal. I, everyone wants us to do it. I have not seen this. I was looking forward to it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. Yeah. I watched <laughs> this episode that we're talking about today. Does that count for anything? It's gotta count for I was really afraid of having all the feelings because I have a daughter. And this is this is literally every parent's worst nightmare. Well, I was describing it to Mike. He was like, oof, what's this? You know, you could just walk yeah. into a room and it's just like grayscale. It's just like dark. And he's like, oof. And I was like, oh, disappearance of Madeline McCann. He's like, what's that about? And I was like, oh, it's a three-year-old who goes missing saying went on vacation with her family and he's like oh so actually a living nightmare yeah. I was like yep he was like cool going for a run I was like bye love you <laughs> so the thing about this documentary I'm not sure I love how it's made I don't so far I mean at one loving yeah. the style of it. We'll see. The whole five minutes, they just keep repeating over and over and over again what happened. Yeah, and then I'm like, wait, is this one of those things where, you know how, we've covered a lot of documentaries where they like start at the end. Yes, And yeah. they give us like a whole thing and I'm like, why am I here right. for eight episodes <laughs> if we're just going to go through it in five minutes? And then it's the credits and then it's like, are the credits over? Are we here? I know. Can I start typing? Like, it what's... was, the opening of this was very strange. I'm like, I've been watching this for almost five minutes and it just keeps starting over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. So seemingly 10 minutes in, we meet Anthony Summers and Robin Swan, who, uh-huh. like, they wrote a book about the Madeline McCann case. I don't know if that's what the documentary is based on, but they seem to sort of be our narrators. Yes, I agree with you. I don't know. <laughs> I agree with you on everything. I don't know if it's based on that, but I agree that there are narrators. And I'm like, are they a couple? No, 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 no. no. They're, oh, what makes I don't you, think so. What makes you say no so shortly? Because it, like, didn't enter my mind at all. And for you to say that, I'm like, no. I don't know why. You had a really strong reaction to that. I have strong reactions to a lot of things. I <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Years. So we learn about Madeline McCann's parents. Jerry had a good job in Leicester. Kate was working part-time as a GP while mostly staying at home with, by then, three young children. She's got a mom and a dad, which not all kids do. My kid doesn't. Right. Two dads. Mm-hmm. But, like, if this is also just, like, doubly tragic because they had had a hard time conceiving. Right. And they had, they had done in vitro. And so, like, at the point where the movie starts and they're going on vacation, they have three kids. So, I guess, Madeline and the twins? Right. So, here's the thing. Jerry and Kate McCann, they're from the UK. Uh-huh. They take this massive family vacation to Portugal. So, it's nine adults plus all of their kids. So, there's, like, a bunch of couples. Which actually sounds awesome. Right. That sounds like a great trip. Yeah. No, I have no issue with going to Portugal. (laughs) 
<laughs> with a bunch of people. I'm, just, I'm thinking about like our last trip to Hawaii where it was just like me and Steve and Daisy. And I love my family, but like nobody likes to swim with me. So really? I'm just in the, I'm like in the water for two hours just alone. Just treading with doggy, yeah, doggy paddling. Totally. And I was like, maybe next time we'll bring some family. You're like doing like a handstand. You're like, Steve, are you watching? <laughs> Steve, are you watching? Steve! Steve, Steve, what, Steve. Have a, what was that? Was that like an 8 out of 10 maybe? <laughs> I'm going to go die for rings in the pool. Anyway, the idea of going on vacation with your big family sounds great to me. Sure. <laughs> um, that's like those kids though. Huh? <laughs> it's 10.30 a.m. Aunt Julia needs her Bellini. Yeah, I'm like, I don't, that's not a vacation to me going away with a bunch of kids. That's why I'm not a mother. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a vacation to me. Am I crazy? So they go to this place. It's called the Ocean Club Beach Resort. It's kind of fancy. It's got like a bunch of pools. Well, it's it's gigantic. The Ocean Club was one of several complexes in the village of Praia de Luge. It was made up of purpose-built apartments and small villas, mostly self-catering. It had four pools. It had numerous tennis courts. It's sort of like a little isolated society almost. Yeah. That's how big it is. They have like a kiddie club for the kids during the day. You guys, they also offer the service at night. We'll get back to that. They offer a babysitting service at night. I yes. just want to... Right. We, yeah. just... we, are, we are going to circle back okay. to that. That's not being left uncircled back to. Cool. So I just want to say, now we're meeting some of the other people who stayed there. Mm-hmm. I was immediately in love with Jane Jensen. Oh, yeah, Jane, yeah. <laughs> no, I like her. She likes to go on vacation with her sister because they play tennis. My sister and I have been on a lot of Mark Warner holidays together, mainly because we play tennis. And being two ladies of a certain age, you people watch. She seems really happy about it. She loves to play tennis with her sister, so they go do it all over the world. Yeah, and you know that they're just like, you know, they're the fun sisters. They're, of they're the course. ones at the piano bars at night totally. leading to sing along, you know. <laughs> no, I'm no one's wife, but that's them. <laughs> And it's true. Oh, I love it. They love their lives. And, oh, and they do it jazz. Yeah, in harmony. That jazz. Oh. And she's like, Belinda, we rehearsed this. Jane and Belinda. So they, you know, being the fun sisters, they spotted the McCann family and they, they decided they were fun. Right, because it's a big crew. And yeah. the thing is, like, this place is really social. Jane's like... The children make friends in the kids' club and then the parents make friends or the parents meet because the dad sails... And the other dad sails and then they arrange to meet for a drink and then the wives meet or they meet on the tennis court. So it's a very social holiday in that respect. It's because the kids are like thrown off to daycare all day. That's the other thing. I was like, you don't want to spend any time with your kids on vacation. Guys, I know it sounds like we're coming for them really hard. I have a lot of feelings about this. What did I just say? It's not a vacation if you're surrounded by children. But like, I love going on vacation with Daisy. Going to Hawaii and taking Daisy to the beach all day was why I wanted to go on vacation. Well, I think what they're saying is that like, you know, you have your meals as a family and you do do things as a family. But if you're, there's so many of you, like the kids don't want to do the things the adults do and the adults don't want to do the things that the kids want to do. So there are like ways for everyone to be happy. That's what I'm saying. No, I agree. I agree. Like, what happened to these parents really, really sucks. Mm -hmm. And believe me, nobody feels worse about it than they do, as long as they didn't have a hand in it. Right. I'm only one episode in. Right. Me too. Me too. (laughs) So we meet this other guy, right? This other guy named Neil. And he was another tourist. Like, he had a a daughter the same age as Madeline. This is Jessica, my eldest, who was four and a half here. And she benefited most from the holiday by being part of the kids club. So this is Jessie here. Flying ring leader. And uh, this is Madeline here. They were of the similar age, months in it, and they became thick as thieves. 
And I was thinking, we're looking at this picture. He's looking at this picture of Madeline and his daughter playing yeah. with a bunch of other kids, like, really intently. Like, if you were there at the same time, are you going back through every picture that you took yeah. looking for the guy, like, lurking in the woods? What is that shadowy figure? Right. Who is that shadowy figure? Yeah. He looks like he's been poring over these pictures. He probably has the poor guy. So, can we just go back to the, like, this nighttime babysitting thing? I looked this up. It's a place where you can take your kids at night. It's like a nighttime babysitter. It's baby- daycare at night. Yeah, exactly. So that the parents can go to their dinners at night, where it's like the kids are exhausted all day from the jet skiing or the whatever it is. Yeah. The babysitter hangs out with them and the parent, it's like, I don't know why I'm explaining babysitting. It seems very <laughs> straightforward. Well, this, the reason you are is because it doesn't make any sense. This wasn't good enough for the McCanns. They, right. did, they didn't want to use this service. And it wasn't just the McCanns, it was the whole group. Yes. So yeah. the, the whole this whole crew didn't want to do that because as someone says to us, their words. One of the reasons they had chosen the Ocean Club was that it was a family-friendly resort. It operated a night crash. All of the McCann group decided that this really didn't suit them. Kate and Jerry thought they'd have to put them down too early and pick them up too late. And Can you under... I don't understand what that means. I think what they're saying without saying... Uh-huh. I'm just going to say it. Like, uh-huh. I think these parents want to go out and get wasted on their vacation. And I think the idea is that the service offered by this night crash service is too small of a window. Okay, so their plan is, screw this nighttime babysitting service. The whole McCann group decides they want to go to this tapas bar and they're going to leave the kids at home. All of the kids. In the apartment, villa, or wherever. And then go down to this tapas bar. The McCanns and their friends decided amongst themselves that they would operate what they thought of as a baby listening service. Every 20 minutes or half an hour, they would get up and check on their own children. And and that is what they did and did successfully through much of their holiday. They make it very clear that their parents will get up about every 20 minutes. And, and check on their own children only. You caught that too, 100%. Right? It, it's like it was screaming at me. Again, I'm not a mother. Yeah, so I am my, a mother. I'm very much a mother. So as a mother, I have yeah. a question for yeah. you. So when you and Steve go out and leave Daisy by yourself, is 20 minutes like the norm? Is that what's in like what to expect when you're expecting? Is it 20 <laughs> minutes or do you go 15 or just a cool 30? <laughs> you're joking, right? Like, of course I'm joking. Okay, yeah. We would never. There was one time when Daisy was a baby mm-hmm. that Steve was at work. And I desperately wanted ice cream. There was a deli literally across the street from my apartment. Uh It's about 20 steps from my front door to the deli. The whole transaction was going to take three minutes. I hemmed and hawed for about three hours. I'm not kidding. Out cold? Out cold. Sound asleep. I finally decided to just go for it. And I like ran, grabbed the ice cream, ran back. It was the whole thing. Like like, exact change. Yeah, exactly. Threw the money at the guy and ran. It was like, it was literally two minutes. And, And I have felt guilty about that ever since. Right. So what these parents are talking about doing sounds, it sounds crazy to me. Again, I'm going to say I know this might be a cultural thing. What they decided to do this evening sounds utterly insane to me. Yes. You know I don't really look things up yes. when I know we're going to do something. Because I like going into a cold and going episode by episode. So my, my opinion isn't tainted unless it's a case I really know a yeah. lot about. And my little tiny bit I've seen in the group, like people are saying like this isn't really that crazy in certain parts of the world. Now maybe because Q Rent, I'm a New Yorker, fears my life. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I grew up, I was a kid in the 80s and that was when kids were getting snatch left and right and I remember my mom was like no 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 like she learned to grocery shop with one hand yeah like she was just like I always knew where you were I was always like holding your hand that's how I grew up is like that's what you do I'm not saying it's what everyone has to do I'm just saying my thing is what happens if the kid wakes up and you're not there and they need you they're scared there are a lot of unknowns here there are a million things that can happen and you know we're jumping around a little bit but we learn later on that Madeline said to her mother the very day that she was kidnapped that last morning May the 3rd Madeline said, Mummy, why didn't you come last night when Sean and I were were crying? What had Madeline 
meant and what had made her and Sean cry. Because they were doing this every night. We find this out. They were going to this restaurant with these with these other families every single night. And Madeline woke up and her mother wasn't there. She was crying. And somebody says to us, like, did Madeline wake up because the intruder was there and uh-huh. for some reason didn't go through with it and came back the next night? Right. This seems very, very dangerous to me. And let me ask you a question just from, like, a social perspective. Yeah. That doesn't sound like fun. Right. Every 20 minutes, someone yeah. has to get up and leave the party. And then it's just like, oh, what did I miss? Oh, no, no, no. She'll tell you because now it's my turn to get up and go. Right. Like, that just doesn't seem like a social night out. So what I'm saying is cultural differences aside, even if this is something they were doing, it just is nice in theory. Uh-huh. I just don't know how realistic it is to stick to this 20 minute mark. If you pay attention to the timeline that they tell us, yeah. they don't stick to the 20 minute timeline. Oh, okay, great. It gets very, like, and I'm sorry, like, the more drinks you have, the more, like, lackadaisical you're going to become about it. And you're on vacation. It's right. not even, like, you're home. Like, that's isn't that the whole point to, like, cut loose and relax? Yes. I'm not taking, like, you should be. That's what vacation's for. Yeah. So why do you want to have this little alarm system to go check your kids and your kids alone? Right. If I'm going up there, it's like, ah, fuck it, I'm already up here. Why Maybe do I go check just, on all the kids. Just to make sure, you know what I mean? Like, So let's go through what happens. Know. Okay. So the thing is, here's the layout of the this resort in terms of just where the restaurant is and where these villas are. Yeah. So the McCanns are in apartment 5A. They're in like this cluster of apartments. So the other kids are in the different apartments. The Tapas restaurant is downstairs and across the pool. So we get from this one guy who's like... The Tapas restaurant was across the other side of the swimming pool, below the McCann's apartment, apartment 5A, 60 yards as the crow flies, about 100 yards if you walked down the street under an archway and then along beside the pool to the Tapas, which was a canopied, pleasant place to sit. It's not close, you guys. Before I watched the but documentary and I was like thinking about like the distance, it's not close. But it's also not that far. It's far enough that it's if somebody enough. steals your kid, you're not going to see or hear it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so some people think like, oh, they left their kids and went into town. No, but it is far enough. They also leave the door to their villa unlocked. We got to go through the timeline. Wait, why do they leave the door? Why can't they just lock the door at least? I they don't just weren't thinking. Nobody thought that anything bad could happen to them while they were at this place. Okay, somewhere my mom is like, see? Every time she's ever been like, my mom still, when you get into a lift. Here's the timeline of the night. About half past five, Kate went to meet the children where they were coming back from their respective kitty clubs. And Madeline was very, very tired that night. She noticed it and asked to be carried home. Kate said she started to read a, a storybook about animals um, that has a little song in it about if you're happy and you know it, shout your name. And the children barely made it through, and Madeline was almost asleep before the book was even finished. If I'm following the, the timeline, like by 5.30, Madeline's asleep. The kids were all, yeah, like conked out. And Kate and Jerry start drinking. Right, and they sort of make a point to say like... Kate then went and got ready for the evening and had a first glass of wine. And I'm like, on vacation at right. 5 o'clock? Yeah. No way that's her first glass of wine. Right, right, right. But also, 5.30 on vacation, that's not who's shame. You know what I mean? Uh, no, that, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. you're on vacation, number one. She can drink as much as she wants. And 5 o'clock on vacation, that is, if that's your first drink, you're doing it all <laughs> wrong. So they head to the Tapas restaurant at like 8.30, right? Yeah, something like that. They sit down, they start ordering drinks and food or whatever. And Kate is about to go check on the kids, but Matt Oldfield, I guess one of their people. Yeah, and this is at 9 o'clock. And, at 9 o'clock, yeah. Yeah, and Kate's like, oh, you know, I should go and check on my kids and my kids alone. And Matt Oldfield is like... Matt Oldfield reported to the McCanns when he arrived around 9 o'clock that everything was quiet as he passed the McCanns' apartment on the outside. Just walk by it. Right. 
everything seems quiet. Didn't go inside. Don't have eyes on the kids. But everything is super quiet, suspiciously quiet almost. And everything's fine. You don't have to go. But then at 9.05, Jerry leaves, Madeline's dad, and goes to check on the kids anyway. About 9.05, Jerry got up from the table to make the first check on his own children. He went into the apartment through the back patio door, which was unlocked, and went to the bedroom door and had what he described as one of those proud father moments. This is the point where we learned that the back door that they're all coming and going from is unlocked. Anybody can come and go. That's... I mean, it's it's just crazy to me. If it's you're a... going to leave your kids, can you lock the door? I, I just... Just lock the goddamn door. Yeah. Don't leave your kids. Don't... So he goes upstairs, checks on his kids, has like a proud dad moment, goes back to the restaurant. I thought that was weird that we knew that. How yeah. do we know that? Did he say that to somebody? Or is that he just like a, like a sensationalist journalist thing where he's like, I just like gaze upon my sleeping children about how lucky I am. Like, what timing? I Yeah, I know. It's just weird. I agree. Anyway, 925. Kate was about to leave to check herself when Matt Oldfield offered to check for her. He went into the apartment, again, through the patio door, but didn't go into the room. He said he saw some light. He heard a sound as if it was one of the twins rolling over, but there was no other sound, and he went away satisfied. But once again, doesn't go into the room. He just, like, stood in the middle of the street, looked at all the houses, and was like, oh, silent again, all good. <laughs> Another round for the house. Like, what? <laughs> Matt! So, 10 p.m., finally, Kate's going to go check on the kids. Right. So, Kate goes in, and she goes in through the patio door, again, unlocked. She's surprised that she's, like, looking towards the bedroom, and she sees more light than she's expecting to see. Right. She got to the door, and then a wind slammed the door shut. And then you know what else she notices? What? Madeline is gone. Madeline is gone. It takes her five seconds to realize that, like, someone has taken her kids. She's like a bat out of hell. She's running back towards the tapas restaurant. Did she check on any of the other kids? I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't. If Daisy was missing, yeah. I wouldn't. It's not a shade thing. I'm really yeah. asking. Like, yeah. I guess you just make a beeline and then you, like. I think you just immediately her. go into, like, instinct panic. panic. Yeah, totally. exactly. Yeah. You know how you would know if it was Daisy? Oh. <laughs> I'd be like, who's that woman with her hair on fire? <laughs> Something must be wrong with Daisy. <laughs> so we, we get our friend Jane again. This uh, is an interesting story. Jane was roused from the bar. Jane, again, piano bar. You know, she's got sheet music tucked into her bra. Oh, totally. She's wearing a red sequin dress and looking fantastic. Yeah. And she sees, she tells a story that she sees the tennis coach, who I'm sure she's in love with. Of course. And she sees him, like, out for a nighttime jog. Like, tennis coach, calm down. <laughs> And she's like, hey, friend, the bar is that away. And he's like, nah, it's all good. One of the kids has gone missing. Be right back. He says, be back in a minute. I know. Be back in a minute? How about, like, all hands on deck? Like, sound the alarm or I know. whatever you have at the resort. It's one of those moments where, again, we hear in every episode of Everything We Cover, you just don't know how you're going to react. Right. Order a shot for me. I just got to right. go find this kid real right. quick. Like, right. But, you know, I will say, though, I think that that was the general attitude, is that right. she just wandered off somewhere. She's going to be fine. We're going to find her in five seconds. Right. So now the entire resort is kind of in a panic but everyone's looking. All hands on deck. But now, words out in loose. Basically, everybody was being called in. I mean, all staff were there and obviously a lot of the guests. This is where my heart starts to just sink. Like, what do you do? You're you're in a foreign country. You yeah. don't speak the language. How, what do you do? What do you do? You lock the door and you don't leave your kids alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know. I know. I know. It's true. I mean, th the reason they did it is because they were, they've were they been doing it for so long and nothing bad happened. Yeah. And that's fine if that's, it's just like, this is why you lock your door and you don't leave your, like, because of the horrible right. things that can happen. Yeah. The I mean, things that you eye roll about your mom about. Right. Like, sometimes they're right. Oh, God. So this is where we learned that there's two branches of the police in Portugal. 
One is the GNR. They are sort of the equivalent of a small town police patrol unit. They're the first on the scene. They don't have any power. They're kind of like the like, like the, the neighborhood pa- watch. Yeah, they're like the patrol unit or whatever. But it's interesting. They have no power, but who's the first on the scene? These guys. I know. <laughs> Their first theory is like, well, maybe. And say with me. I remember the police just saying that she's probably wandered off and fallen asleep under a bush. But and everyone's like, no, <laughs> sit down, branch of police. You're drunk. Like Anybody no. who has a kid knows that that is absolutely not possible. Wandered out of the apartment and fell asleep safe and sound under a bush. <laughs> Maybe it was a language barrier thing. Maybe that just didn't translate well. Okay. The point, this is the beginning of these people in Portugal, the authorities in Portugal, don't want to be known because this apparently is a very safe place. Right. Also, no place is safe. Creeps can go anywhere. <laughs> I'm really seeing a dark, suspicious side of you coming Creeps, out. Don't tell me it's a safe, spa- a safe place. Nothing is safe. People Can people get on planes and trains and automobiles and get to places? That's a movie, everybody. I didn't say automobile. That wasn't a, a Patty Peterson reference. People can get anywhere. There is no such thing right. as a safe place. And we're going to learn about that in two minutes. This place actually isn't as safe as we think it is. Right. So the Portugal police like don't want to be known as like the kidnapping capital of the world. They go to 100. Right. Or it's like, well, or we can just find the kid. Do you have to make it about you? Can we just find her? For fuck's I know. Sake? I- I know. I'm not. I'm laughing because this whole thing is so goddamn terrifying. It's horrible. At about midnight, the local head of the the GNR unit decided he needed to alert someone in the PJ, who are the major crimes investigative unit. What took so long? Why weren't those the first people you called? This whole thing is insane. And remember that a lot of these people talking are Portuguese and they're subtitled so we can't play their audio. Right. These major crimes cops, like the real cops. They were pretty horrified by what they found in terms of the lack of preservation of the scene. It was like the, the Jambonet crime scene. Yeah. The door was wide open. Come on in. Have a drink. Like, <laughs> just everything was tampered with. Everything. One of the guys is like, it looked like the place was robbed. Right. I do love that there was a little bit of shade where they're like, the place was kind of messy. I mean, I know they were on vacation, but it was kind of messy. Yeah. And it's like, wait, was that shade to them or was it shade because people were just like running all over the place, like like lifting up like the, the desk looking for Madeline? She's not there. <laughs> Although, if Daisy goes missing, she could be anywhere. She's a hider, that one. Yeah, she's in the-, the Look in every hamper, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> she's a climber. Look up first. She's a climber. So we meet a, a different Jane. There, we have another Jane. Her oh. name is Jane Tanner. She's part of the McCann crew. This this is great. Jane, I hope you're in a safe space, my love. So she just suddenly remembers. <laughs> Out of the clear blue sky. Clear blue sky remembers, oh, hey, you know what? She has her hand up in the back. Ooh, right. Ooh. Oh, don't mean to interrupt. Just, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um... <laughs> There's something you should probably know. What she just occurred, like just a ping, like a light bulb goes off. Mm. At 9.15, when checking on her children and her children alone. That's a quote. Her own children. They said it, not me. At 9.15, when checking on her children and only hers, she saw a man. I was walking up here to do the check. And probably as I got to, it's hard to know exactly where, but probably about here. I saw the man walk across the road there, carrying the child. The child appeared to be wearing light-coloured pyjamas and to have bare feet. And it dawned on her, after it was known that Madeline had disappeared, that just maybe she had seen the abduction of Madeline actually taking place. And I'm like, check on all the 
kids. Here's my thing, though. Here's my question about this. Number one, check, hashtag check on all the kids. All the kids. Her, my children and my children alone. I know. Unbelievable. Here's my question, though. I find it very unlikely that if that was a man abducting Madeline out of her bed, that she wouldn't have woken up. Here's what I was going to ask you. Again, and this is this is true. This is not a joke. Not a mother. Wouldn't she be crying? She's yeah, she's three years old, right? It really depends. Like, I can pick oh, God, Daisy up. Three, I know. I know. I can pick Daisy up in the middle of the night, and sh- and she she will know that she's being picked up, but she doesn't really wake up. But she, because it's you. That's my question. I don't know. Steve can do it. I've never really seen anybody else try it. Of course not. <laughs> You'll never know the answer, and that's a good thing. Like, I, I won't even do it, because I don't want to even risk, like, oh, shit, now we got to put her up in a bed again. The thing about this, and it's not covered in the documentary, so maybe we should skip it, but, like, there is some speculation that the mom maybe gave Madeline some sort of sleeping pill or some sort of sleeping medicine. So that they didn't have to worry at dinner. Right. And That's so the question is that, like, is it possible that Madeline, that this guy was abducting Madeline and she didn't wake up because she had been given a sleeping pill? So it's like a perfect storm. But here's the thing, because this is where it comes back where Madeline's like, Mommy, why didn't you come when me and Sean were crying? Yeah. My question is this. If they're going to stick to the every 20 minutes, like, clockwork, no one heard them crying? Wait, like, wouldn't someone notice that in those 20 minutes? No? Yeah. The thing is, like, if you look at the timeline, they didn't stick to the timeline. Because at 9.25, Kate was about to go check, but Matt offers to go do it himself. And then it's about 10 p.m. when Kate goes to check. So that's over a half an hour. They're not sticking steadfastly to 20 minutes. And, and it's probably the, get, the more they drink, the more it gets less and less. Also, the later it gets. Right. Because you're less concerned that your kid's going to wake up the later it gets into the night. And the thing is, it's okay to get distracted at dinner. That's why you're on vacation. But that's why you get the babysitting service. Or that's why you have your wine and tapas outside in the balcony of your apartment. Exactly. So the next person we meet is a guy named Robert Murat or Murat or whatever. Robert. Yeah. <laughs> Produce is very small. We lived in a house called Casa Liliana, which was in the middle of the Ocean Club setup. I can remember at the mentioning Ocean Club. So um, one of the things we discussed was having a look around the garden um, uh, because we have low fences. Some some of the fences are low. So had a look around to see if we, we could see anything in the garden, which there was nothing. Like, her house backs up right to it. Right. And he's just, he's not connected in episode one in any way. Yeah. And he is from the UK. Right. But he also speaks Portuguese. So he just shows up. While I was in the garden, I'd met up or had a conversation with, over the fence, an English gentleman um, and asked him if he knew what was going on. Um, and he said that a, a, um, a three-year-old um, had gone missing and they were having problems communicating with the police. That's when I suggested that maybe I should go over there and he said, yes, it would be a very good idea. Which I think is amazing. I think that like in this little beach community, I think he sees everybody running around searching, trying to help. And he's like, here's just one thing I can do. And just thinking as like a parent, if it were my kid that were missing and I couldn't speak to the cops and they couldn't speak to me, if like somebody showed up who could translate, I would find that invaluable. And it's actually a tangible thing you can do to help. Exactly. Other than just like looking with your eyes, which, hey, if you find her, great, you did it. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just like people in a panic, like he can be a rational, calm person and actually really help. We also start to meet like some of the 
the journalists that are covering this case, and I'm using journalists a little loosely. Oh, yeah. If you work for the Daily Mail, you're not <laughs> right. a journalist. So this guy, journal- I'm calling him journalist John, John Clark. He's like he's like some random beat reporter. He, he's like a freelancer who basically like newspapers from the UK will call him if they need something. So on the day of the Madeleine McCann disappearance or like the day after or whatever, as soon as the press gets wind of it, he's like got the Daily Mirror, all the trash rags in the right, UK right. are like, girl, can you cover this? And he like beelines for Portugal. Right. And he's the one who tells us that the crime scene, their apartment was just, he was like, uh, let me put it this way. It was not Fort Knox. And they're doing this cool thing where they're cutting back and forth between him being, he's standing outside the McCann apartment, yeah. modern day, and cutting back to like the tape of like the day that all of this was happening. Like, like the reporter tape. Right. And he's talking about this sign that's posted on the stairs that go up to the McCann's apartment that says like, saying, don't go past this point. He went up and looked in, the door was open, and I think I tried to, to speak to him. I didn't, I didn't want to push my way through the door into the apartment, which obviously would, would have been a crime scene, so it wouldn't have been appropriate to do that. But I've got the impression it wouldn't have been difficult at all to have sort of walked in and, and had a look around. Right, he was like, there were no locks. Lock the doors. <laughs> were there no locks on the doors to begin with? I mean, it says the door was unlocked, which makes me think there were locks. But if you don't want reporters, then can you lock that door? Like, I know. I just, it's making me crazy. But It's making me feel like I'm like I'm insane, like like this isn't what reality is. Like I'm right. just in a weird place where nothing makes sense. I know. I know. And before we get off this journalist John guy, I want to say he's another one who says to us, like, look, my wife and I, when we were on vacation over the summer, we not only left our kid, we went so far away that we had to bring, like, a baby monitor. So we were, like, indoors in a restaurant listening to the sounds of our apartment through a baby monitor. He's like, we did it. Our friends do it. Everybody we know does this. Okay. it's That sounds crazy. To me, that's, like, the rudeness equivalent of someone, like, being on speakerphone at a restaurant. Too. Uh-huh. And right. there's just, like, ten baby <laughs> monitors on all the, like, tables. <laughs> I just don't. I will say, though, if the McCann's had, had a baby monitor, with them at the tapas restaurant, things might have turned out a whole lot differently, or mm-hmm. they could have just stayed home. At the very least, lock the door. I'm never going to let it go. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I know. Bringing the villa key is too much of a hassle, too. Like, I know you're on vacation, but my God, <laughs> bring your room key. We also learn at this point that, like, things between the McCanns and the cops aren't going great. The ground was being laid for what was going to be, in the end, a disastrous relationship. Right from the get-go. Right. I never say that, but right from the get-go, um, there's a lot of tension, which is weird. Yeah. Because, like we were saying earlier, the cops in Portugal, for some reason, their like ego and pride of like, well, we, we can't have anything bad happen in this little villa resort, uh-huh. is sort of blinding them to actually doing their goddamn jobs. So the McCanns go downtown, basically, to give their statement. You guys, imagine you're in a situation where your three-year-old is missing. Mm-hmm. You want things to be moving a mile a minute. Sure. They're sitting there giving their they're questioned separately, which makes sense. But like they describe how a police officer is like hunt and pecking on a typewriter, their statement taking forever. Mm-hmm. And then one of the cops like making chit chat with Kate is like the policeman at one point asked Kate McCann, is this your first trip to Portugal? And she snapped back. Yes, but it's going to be the last and apparently the cops were super offended by that. Yeah, I don't think it's small talk. I think that's like actual questioning. Oh. <laughs> um, I, not to take anything away from the yeah. fact that this is kind of like a don't type with your index fingers. That's annoying. Also, don't take it personally. Like this mother is totally. Pe- you want to get real offended, Portuguese police? Let me lose my kid in your country. See how that goes for you. You guys, please don't. I can't <laughs> live with it. Because it's about how I would be impacted by this. Poor Steve. Oh, God. Poor oh, Steve. Oh, God. Steve's like, oh, let me be the one that goes missing, please. I can't deal with him. 
So we meet this guy, Ernie Allen, who at the time of Madeline's disappearance, he was the president and CEO for the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And he was also working at the International Center. So I'm like, yes, girl. This guy had a lot of jobs. Really important. Yeah, very. Like, oh, my goodness. He's here and he's explaining to us about like why certain cases get a lot of coverage and other cases don't. Right. And he tells us like these really famous cases like Aton Pates. Yeah. Which if you don't know that case, it's crazy pants. It happened here in New York in the 70s down Mm -hmm. in Soho. A kid, this like you know, beautiful little white boy goes missing and the world goes bonkers over it. Yeah, it was his first day that he was allowed to walk to the school bus. And it's it's those things, right? Yeah. Those takeaways. It's like, oh, can you imagine the first day he's allowed to walk by himself? A little boy named Aton Pates. The image of that child was seared into the brains and the souls of millions of Americans. I mean, there were lots of other child abduction cases at that time. What was it about that case? The circumstance. Julie Pat says she took her son downstairs. She came back up and watched from this fire escape as he passed down West Broadway toward the bus stop where a group of other children and parents were waiting. She never dreamed he didn't get on that bus, not until 4 o'clock in the afternoon when he failed to return home. Yeah, so this guy keeps pointing to things like that. Like, it's all about the story. It's all about the story. And he, he talked about Adam Walsh, who is, you know, he, he's like John Walsh's son who created America's Most Wanted after the tragedy of his son being kidnapped and murdered. Right. And this guy is talking about, like, all the different reasons why Madeline McCann's story also was going to catch fire. Uh-huh. Madeline's story was like that. If your child isn't safe at a resort where people are having fun and and enjoying themselves. Where is she safe? So it translates to every parent everywhere. Uh, And the circumstances made it news. And he leaves out one very important detail. Oh, can I guess? Can I guess? Yeah. She's white. How is that not being talked about? Because all the other examples are white, too. All of them are white kids. Yeah. Yeah. How are we not talking about that? She's an adorable little white girl. And he was an adorable little white boy, and Mm -hmm. so was Adam Walsh. And all of these cases deserve attention, but you're the head of this organization. Right. And you're not going to mention the fact that, like, there's a completely disproportionate amount of coverage for kids that are white and kids of color. Now, let me say something. Yeah. I think maybe because he was the president and CEO, I think maybe he was a victim of some bad editing or some manipulative editing. Maybe. If he's the, if he was working for the national and international, and he seems incredibly knowledgeable about this, yeah. I think he was saying. And here's the thing: Can we talk about all the kids who are not white who are missing? Like, I feel right. like it made me so mad. I was like, it's so glaring to right. me. How do you not mention that? I think my gut is saying it was an editing thing. Yeah, that makes sense. It has to be. Let's it's go ridiculous. with that. So it ends with we're back in Portugal. It's 24 hours since Madeline's gone missing, and her parents come out to like make a statement, and they look a wreck, mm-hmm. and you know they're like all of the press and we're getting all of these stories like of all the press all over the world has yeah. come for this in 24 hours in 24 the case hours. exploded yeah and the dad comes out to make this statement and the press is trying to tell him where to stand and where to look and they make their statement and it's horrible we've got a short statement to make words cannot describe the anguish and despair that we are feeling as the parents of our beautiful daughter Madeline we request that anyone who may have any information related to Madeline's disappearance, no matter how trivial. There's nothing to say other than she's missing. We desperately want her back. Please help us. There are no leads. Right. No information. Nothing. Except as the credits start to roll, we hear them say. Top story. Police investigating the disappearance of Madeline McCann in Portugal say they are now treating a British man as a suspect who lives just a few hundred meters from the holiday complex where Madeline was staying. 
Who could it be? That's going to be episode two. <laughs> you guys, thanks so much for checking out this extra bonus episode. Again, if you want our coverage of the other seven episodes of this series, head on over to patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed or go to the Patreon link on our website. You also immediately get our episode-by-episode coverage of Making a Murderer, The Staircase, Serial, The Jinx, Lorena, a bunch of videos of our live shows, our early stuff when we covered Madonna's Truth or Dare and The Queen of Versailles. You can also find our after party there. You can get our regular episodes ad-free at the $10 level. There's so much stuff to just go check out on our Patreon page. Head on over there right now. You can get over 90 full bonus episodes to binge right this second just at the $5 level. We love you. And get ready for our regular episode dropping tonight at midnight. Okay, bye. Bye. 